I am Victor Milligan. And I'm Jennifer Isabella. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means. We'll explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. And here with us on the phone today is Jeff Pollard, Principal Analyst at Forrester. Welcome, Jeff. Ah, thanks for having me. So, Jeff, the CIA breach which caught our collective attention, it may not be obvious to executives out there that that risk that hit the CIA is actually quite relevant to them. Can you give a sense of what happened at the CIA and sort of connect the dots between that and what executives should be worried about? Sure, absolutely. So WikiLeaks released a trove of information uh, from the CIA, what what they've titled uh, the Vault 7 uh, leak. It is comprised of a number of materials uh, from the CIA, what certainly appears to be a leak of uh, confluence or some sort of wiki system, a knowledge management system uh, that the CIA was using, uh, a set of um, technologies and tools and procedures, effectively the exploits that the CIA has potentially created or potentially gathered in some of their intelligence activities, as well as many of the operational playbooks uh, and specifications that the CIA uses when conducting intelligence gathering activities. That's sort of what the material is. I think whenever you have a breach like that, one of the things that happens is you sort of have a set of dual track activities. The first set of activities is a bit like the spy novel. Uh, it's um, everyone sort of uh, wondering, you know, how to interpret things, uh, how sophisticated is this, is this a lot of spy tools, and are we going to learn a lot of incredibly interesting things uh, that may come out of a, a thriller, right, some sort of novel? Uh, if you pivot from the spy novel uh, maybe to, um, you know, the, the academic reading, right, or the work reading. Uh, so the plot might be a little bit different, but it's far more relevant in terms of the day-to-day activities. And what this really represents from an enterprise CISO and CIO perspective especially is If an organization like the CIA, one where the background checks involve people with guns and badges uh, that interview 10 years of of your um, associates, right, if they can give someone a polygraph test, and the enterprise, average enterprise background check consists of, you know, a reference check uh, as well as a, a credit report and perhaps a criminal background history, right? If that organization that's founded on secrecy and compartmentalization, if they can't stop a breach from occurring, what does that ultimately mean uh, for enterprise CISOs? Right. And it seems like the, the linking here, sort of the, the acute issue is that what you're really talking about is CIA's dependency on deployed collection entities, whether they were phones or whatever kind of devices were and probably weren't microwaves. In the commercial arena, the Internet of Things is right now a mega trend. whether you're talking about healthcare wearables, fitness shoes, the digital grid within utilities, mobile banking. There is now a business dependency on the Internet of Things, and the expectations are that dependency will continue to grow significantly going forward. So it, it really goes to the acute vulnerability of the Internet of Things in, in this case. Is that a fair statement? It, it is. And the Internet of Things as a set of devices um, are, are really sort of ubiquitous connectivity, right? We finally realized the, the early Internet dream, if you will, of everything being connected. But what that means is that everything now has an attack surface. Uh, you know, as you connect processes, as you connect people, as you connect devices, then you open up all of those entities um, to vulnerabilities, right, to attacks. 
what we see from the, the CIA, right, is recognition of that attack surface, uh, because included in the materials, and to your point about uh, microwaves, what we see in the materials is that the CIA was absolutely viewing um, Internet of Things devices as part of the attack surface, as something that extended their capability to gather intelligence. And I think what's also really important here, as you look at things like the CIA's ability to potentially use a television for listening, um, looking at the ability to hack uh, the connected car, for example, um, you know, I think that what it does is it really confirms, you know, that the IoT attack service is going to be interesting, um, you know, for adversaries, which we all thought, but now we have confirmation. Um, and it also shows that there are important uh, security implications within IoT, both from a consumer perspective, but also from an enterprise perspective in terms of understanding your threat model. So we know today that the Internet of Things is real. I can make a banking transaction via my smartwatch. Can you dig in a little bit more in terms of what are the other examples and possibilities that we may not be thinking about? Yeah, you're absolutely correct, right? Our, our devices are transforming. Uh, there's a legitimate question as to whether uh, your smartphone is simply a device that you use to uh, make phone calls, a device that you use for instant messaging, uh, or if it's now your mobile wallet. And, and for many of us, it has transformed into that um, multi-use device, right, through those connections and through the hardware and software. And some of the other examples um, are uh, items like a manufacturer, that is using sensors uh, to gauge the quality of the components that they are manufacturing. And the other one, of course, that's kind of looming is the autonomous vehicle, right? The self-driving car, which I, I think has captured uh, our attention both from a possibility perspective, because, um, you know, commuting is not always the most fun thing in the world. So there's certainly a, a life advantage to it. But there's also a security and, and risk angle to this in that what happens if that um, if that car is um, is compromised by an adversary. And I think and in this case, in this case, Jeff, this would be that someone will actually treat it as a remote control car. They would, as opposed to being self-driving, it's being driven literally by somebody else who may have malicious intent. Absolutely. And I think the real concern here, as you look at all of these systems, right, is through things like automation uh, and the Internet of Things, what, what's really happening is that we are entrusting decisions once made by a person um, to software and hardware. That's sort of the essence of, of um, artificial intelligence, right, and automation and algorithms. It's making logical decisions based on the information that's presented. What IoT does, especially from an attack service perspective, again, you know, whether it's the wearable or the autonomous vehicle, to your point, Victor, is that it it creates a situation where it can be very difficult to understand if the devices that we are now relying on to make decisions in our everyday lives, if they are using accurate information. So it isn't just that we're worried about information leakage, as we saw with uh, Vault 7, the CIA and WikiLeaks, but we're also concerned about the integrity of the information being gathered as IoT devices proliferate and we rely on those to make decisions about when to go to bed and whether or not to make a right or a left turn. Those are all situations that could become compromised through IoT if a motivated adversary decides to attack it. Yeah, and it seems like one thing to pay attention to is the word critical, which is in your, your comment about artificial intelligence where there is a critical decision made between machines that humans can't see. And someone compromises that, and now the machines are working on someone else's behalf. And the other one, which is probably more specific to utilities, is the idea of critical infrastructure, where actually someone through one of those proliferate devices, the Internet of Things devices, can actually take down the grid. 
So it, it does seem like there's a sense that there's a commercial part of this puzzle. And then there's a sense of it being really a critical business and a critical infrastructure question as well. Absolutely. And one of the most important parts of this is so many businesses are software and technology businesses now. Um, even even the Internet of Things is really just, you know, sort of software wrapped in, in plastic or metal. Um, and so because of that, in the same way that we look at uh, failure rates and um, load and um, lifespan of devices, right, from a hardware perspective, and we also have to start looking at that from a software perspective because as companies begin to manufacture software – that becomes as important to their brand as the hardware they've traditionally manufactured in the case of say consumer electronics or automotive companies, for example, then software quality becomes a core component of this of which security should be considered a part of software quality as devices that run code proliferate throughout enterprise organizations. Jeff, can you talk a little bit about the different kinds of threats that organizations and executives should be aware of? Sure. We talked about the reliability and integrity of information, which is a good place to start. So as as connected devices especially begin to generate the amount of data that they will naturally generate and that will collect to make decisions, the integrity of the information is important. But where IoT presents a real challenge from a security perspective is that one of the old axioms in security is that if you have access to the physical device, then it is not secure. Yeah, so essentially anything networked is at risk. A- absolutely. And, and because all of these devices, by definition, are both physical and networked, right. then that's two parts of the attack surface. One is the network itself. Can you get into it from a distance? But also, if I'm expecting you to wear a device, right, a wearable, mm-hmm. then that also means the integrity of that device is now in question. And many IoT devices are also managed uh, from a mobile application or from the cloud or from both, right, a mobile application interacting with the cloud. Well, that also is an additional layer of the attack surface. So all of those things kind of conspire together uh, to create this attack surface. And what really determines whether or not someone uses that attack surface is an adversary's motivation. Perhaps it's modifying data. Perhaps they're using it for surveillance purposes just to learn uh, what you do. But there are other, again, kind of spy novel-esque scenarios where you could think about if you're using a fitness device that checks in with your location and you're someone that jogs every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. um, Well, if someone has access to your account through a reused password or through actually um, breaching the device in question, well, they also know where you are every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So this conversation would be alarming at one level when we think of the CI hack and all the threats that are out there. And we actually bake in this concept of critical decisions that machine to machine may make and then critical infrastructure. It may be shocking at another level when we think we're unprepared to address this very threat, which I think goes to the heart of the research that you've done. So can you talk a little bit about where we are as a baseline state in the treatment of this risk and where we are in our ability to preclude or mitigate this risk? Everything that we've done in the past will not transfer to the Internet of Things. And and that's one of the most important lessons that organizations will have to learn. So let's talk about what will transfer, some of the things that are are going to continue to work. Uh, IoT devices are connected. And and so because of that, uh, things like network visibility are are going to continue to be incredibly important. One of the other things uh, is application security. Again, understanding that all of these devices are software wrapped in some version of hardware, 
And so because of that, the, the software hygiene and software security, um, application security centric activities that you've engaged in in the past uh, are, will or should not only continue, but frankly, become more important in the world of IoT because you now have more software running in more places uh, that more people are aware of. But there are some things that are not going to transfer. And I think that one of the most important that will not transfer uh, is traditional endpoint security. Mm. So in our enterprise environments, we're very used to, um, you know, uh, Windows servers, uh, Mac OS X, right? These traditional sort of desktop, laptop, and even mobile device operating systems that we've traditionally worked with. And they're used broadly, and so because of that, we have a, a wide range of applications that we can choose from uh, to secure those, things like event logging, uh, antivirus software, um, data loss prevention software, encryption software, right? All of these things run on kind of this ecosystem of operating systems that is mostly uniform. Hmm. At present, there isn't a dominant IoT operating system. There is not a dominant form factor of the device itself, and even if they're were to be one of those. The other challenge that you run into is that uh, these devices are, are purpose-built. Um, they contain hardware from different manufacturers. They contain software and third-party libraries from different uh, manufacturers and, in some cases, different developers, depending on whether or not it was developed internally or part of it was licensed. And they don't have the battery life for example, they don't have the memory or the processor that our traditional technologies do. And so because of that, what winds up happening is th there is not going to be a state of uniformity in IoT that we can count on. There isn't going to be a standard reference architecture or a, a vanilla set of five security controls that we should have for every IoT device. It's going to be something that's going to have to be custom built to one degree or another in, in the early stages until we, we have more of a reference architecture we can use. So your thought process is that, one, it doesn't translate from the existing security capabilities to the Internet of Things, and two is the hill that we have to climb to really provide security for Internet of Things is so much higher. You don't have standards. You have a pressure for time to market, which is either disallowing or just not incenting them to think of security at the first blush. You have a lot of purpose-built things, which makes most everything custom. This is a pretty tall mountain that you're describing for any of the things. You, meanwhile, you've described a threat matrix that's real and in place today. That is right. And so what we're seeing here is that IoT attacks now really transcend the digital physical divide. We're seeing IoT attacks that have real-world implications in terms of what you experience. It, it used to be that a DDoS attack would take down an e-commerce platform. Jeff, the denial-of-service DDoS. Absolutely. So a distributed denial of service attack, um, lots of connections taking down a company's website, right, or their e-commerce platform as a part of their website. Well, it, it used to be that when you experienced that distributed denial of service attack, it interrupted your business. You lost revenue. Um, and once you mitigated that, you were able to return to normal function. But Obviously, when you're in a situation where it can cause a vehicle to go off the road or where it could cause a series of elevators not to work or critical infrastructure to no longer function in the case of um, utilities, as you mentioned, Victor, what winds up happening in that scenario, right, is that IoT no longer constrains uh, a, a, an attack to the digital world. It now shifts and becomes something that we have to think about from a physical perspective as well. And from a consequence standpoint, it's not simply a temporal financial question. It goes to the very heart of the integrity of your brand, your ability to conduct business, 
and it could go to far-reaching litigation risk. And in some cases, like self-driving cars, could significantly defer or deter a market from taking place because people would see the risk well eclipsing the opportunity. Completely agree. And I'll take it a step further. One of the things that absolutely happens as a result of security breaches is they tend to have a very long tail. Mm. Um, Once you go through litigation uh, and and everything else, right, what winds up happening is that it can be two, four, six years down the road before some of these are resolved from a legal perspective. So it isn't just that we're seeing IoT as an emergent phenomenon, which which is widely adopted or becoming widely adopted now. What we're also going to see is that the type of data collected and the type of breaches that we experience as a result of IoT, you know, we could be five to ten years away legally from seeing the the starter cases finally become resolved, which allows a company to really start thinking about their risk management, because obviously the risk of legal fees, um, you know, cost of lawsuits, et cetera, insurance costs, all of those things sort of bake out as a result of some of these other factors. And IoT is so new and the legal process so long in most cases that we're a really long time away from having a strong grasp on this from a pure risk perspective. That's why brand and reputation are a really important factor um, for enterprise organizations to consider. But if you think about how easy it is for customers to swap from your brand to another and the low switching costs that exist in the age of the customer, well, you may not understand it actuarially, right? But you can understand it from a customer experience and a customer insights perspective. And that's where we have to start um, as we look at this from an enterprise risk standpoint. Right. So it's interesting. We had a podcast with Brian Hopkins on the new technology revolution. And there was an extraordinary sense of enthusiasm and promise for these technologies to sort of reshape how companies work and how they deliver experiences and products that really capture the imagination and spend of customers. And we we spent a little bit of time on the downside of that. But this conversation really sort of clarifies the downside, which is part and parcel of that planning execution of these new technologies has to be deep thinking about security at the very front end of it versus that as a remedial point where the implications and financial consequences may be far-reaching and long-term. Security has to be built in. It cannot be bolt-on. And what I love about Brian's research in particular is I think that it does represent a paradigm shift for security to think about. I think security is very familiar with systems of record. We have things like SIM, right, security information management technology. So we understand systems of record. We understand chain of custody from an investigation and forensic perspective. I think what security is less aware of are things of systems of insight and systems of engagement and the supporting technologies of those. And so security now has to start really coaching the organization on how they need to secure the information um, gathered and used in a system of insight, right, and the results that are produced in a system of engagement and the type of information um, that's collected as a result of that. These are really new areas for security and represent paradigm shifts in terms of the way we, we understand and contextualize the enterprise environments in which we operate. So, Jeff, you've painted a heck of a picture. You've talked a lot about what happened to the CIA, and really we expanded the nature of the severity of the problem based upon the proliferation of Internet of Things and how far behind we are and how high that mountain is, meaning we have to go, we are not going to use standards. We're going to use much more of a of a purpose-built custom approach, to, at least in the early stages, to get this done. So if I'm an executive listening to this, this is kind of a scary picture. What does it mean to me and what are my priorities that I should leave this phone call with to start attacking this problem? 
I think the first thing is, especially if you're an IoT maker, right, if you are manufacturing IoT devices or using those in some capacity inside your organization, understand what those devices do, the type of information that they collect, and how you're using that information. And then you need to secure that, right? Uh, so that information is useful to you in some capacity. That's why you're collecting it and using it. But you need to make sure that that's secure, both at a technology level as well as uh, from a data perspective. You need to inform your consumers what you're collecting. You need to make that transparent to them and give them the ability to opt in or opt out. If you're building these devices, the other thing you have to think about is your software security. So as you make these devices, are, are you building in security into your overall software development and hardware development lifecycle? Are these technologies secure by design? Or instead, are you trying to bolt it on after the fact, which is less effective and more expensive? And I think, lastly, the other thing that you really have to think about um, overall is that these devices are going to streamline the decisions you make, um, and they're going to streamline you know, customer experiences and, and our lives, right? They're going to make things easier. Um, but at the same time, they introduce risk to those, and those are risks that you will feel in the real world. So you need to understand what mission these devices help accomplish inside your environment. And then once you better understand that, you can figure out how they would be um, interrupted, right? And how you can mitigate some of those risks that they create. So it is a time to take a little bit of a deep breath, uh, understand why you're using it, what you're collecting it, or what you're collecting with it, and what you would then do with it. And if you start from that perspective, that really allows you to apply a security framework to it and say, what am I most concerned about? What can interrupt or put our brand and our customers at risk as a result of IoT devices? Thanks for joining us today, Jeff. We appreciate your expertise. That was great, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for links and relevant content on today's discussion. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn.